Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. You guys doing good today? All right. I, I can feel it. Say extravagant. Defined exceeding the limits of reason, extremely excessive and elaborate, and unreasonably high price. In this place today, as we gather together, we're reminded of the extravagant gift of God's one and only Son, a gift extremely excessive and elaborate, a gift of unreasonable cost. So let's start here again with this verse, 2 Corinthians 9 15. Thank God for his son. His gift, too wonderful for words. Hmm. So I received this gift, too wonderful for words, back in 1994. Presented to me at the end of a church service through a simple prayer. And not, on, not only received this gift, but I received it in front of hundreds of complete strangers. It was awkward at first. I actually wanted to run out of the church because I'm like, I, don't, I didn't grow up in church. So I'm like, what is going on here? So I prayed this. I, I responded to this, to this altar call of receiving Jesus, walked down this aisle as people are clapping for me. And that day I gave my heart to Jesus. It turned out amazing, by the way. I opened the gift, too wonderful for words. And by the way, I've never looked back. But I can still feel that day just like it was yesterday. And it's so important to me. But have you ever received a gift that you got so excited about and only to see it eventually sit on a shelf, stored in a bin, or put in a pile, or to be delivered to a second-hand store? See, most gifts that we receive in this lifetime will lose their luster, will ultimately be forgotten. But there's a gift that will never lose its luster. Its glory will never fade. It's perfect in every way. It keeps its newness, freshness, and excitement always and for eternity. It's Jesus. Most people simply have no idea the impact Jesus makes on our world on a daily basis in every sphere of life. Too often we find ourselves arguing more about politics, government, religion, even Christianity instead of marveling at Jesus. See, we don't have to go far to know that Jesus is still working miracles today. I know you and I both have witnessed firsthand the things he continues to do big and small. And that gets me excited and I've learned this, that if Jesus isn't as exciting, as fresh to me as he was the day I first met him, then maybe I've just put him on a shelf somewhere, placed him in storage, or shipped him off to a distant land. But Jesus hasn't changed a bit. He's still the same Jesus, wonderful counselor, great physician, mighty God, king of kings, the bright morning star, the healer, the rising sun, the living run, the prince of peace, the line of Judah, the everlasting father. And, yeah, you can clap for that. That's good. Listen, and he's a friend of sinners. Woo! Amen? A friend of sinners. I love that. Those names, by the way, should get us excited. But I know, I know that there are times when we might lose our excitement or enthusiasm about those names, about the wonderful gift we have in Jesus. It, 
And if that happens, it just might be an indication that the heart is drifting away, friends. If your heart has drifted away from Jesus, I hope to help with that today, amen? Let's start here. In this awesome story in Luke 7, 37, it says, When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he, Jesus, was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping, Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Oh, my goodness. He answered his thoughts. Oh, wow. But you, you mean you know my thoughts, Lord? Uh, he said, I have something to say to you, Simon. Well, go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him the story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that, Simon? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash, wash the dust off of my feet, but she washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, Simon, her sins and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. What a power, amen, what a powerful expression of authentic, passionate, and extravagant worship. You ever notice how a new Christian seems to be more passionate than some people who have been following Jesus for years? A new Christian will tell everyone about their faith. A new Christian will share their story with anyone. You might give them a few minutes of their time. A new Christian will spend hours diving into the new spiritual disciplines, like reading the Bible, praying, giving, and serving. What's the difference between a new Christian and others who followed Jesus for years who seemingly have lost some passion? I believe the reason is found in this truth. They understand he paid a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. And it is their genuine gratitude for complete forgiveness from this enormous debt. Jesus paid the price for their sin, and there's nothing left to pay. That's what happened in the story with this unnamed woman, and Jesus gives us the key to unlocking our love for God, our authentic worship to him. He shows us how to keep our relationship with Jesus fresh, alive, and loving. 
So he says this in Luke 7, 47. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So, because of that, she has shown me much love. But a person who's forgiven little shows only little love. We'll come back to that verse in a few minutes. That's how I felt when I was forgiven. I came alive. Because I was released from a life trapped in shame and fear, I was freed from a life filled of heavy burdens that had piled up over time. And this is what I noticed when I met Jesus. He did not remind me of all of my sins. I already knew I was in trouble. I had been living a life making mistakes, missing the mark, and separated from God. I knew I needed help. And he did not remind me of my naughty list. No, I came alive because of the fact that someone could forgive me and release me from all of it. And it was that forgiveness that unlocked my love for God. And this love became evident and natural and invitational to those around me, but also confrontational. See, the enemy didn't like my newfound freedom, and some people were also annoyed by it. I remember someone saying to me very early in my walk with Jesus, he said, Dan, I love your excitement for Jesus. And then he looks over to another guy and says, that'll change when the honeymoon is over. And you know what? I never forgot that, obviously. <laughs> and when I heard that, listen, as a young Christian, I was annoyed by it. It didn't sit right. It was a subtle attack on my freedom to express my love for God. See, this is what I found out is that we should never let the devil or people or circumstances or hard life steal our excitement and passion for God. I get it. It can happen. I think all of us understand this. We know this is a common agenda of our enemy to steal, kill, and destroy, to take away our freedom. And I get it. As Emily mentioned, there are times when we might unintentionally or inadvertently be distracted or lose our excitement or passion for Jesus. But you don't have to let that happen you may visit there, but you don't have to live there. You can get out at getting back. Get it back. So let's head there as we finish. Back to the story of this incredible expression of worship, expression of love to God. The Bible doesn't give us her name, but what she did and who she became will never be forgotten. And I think one reason she's unnamed is so that we can put our name in her place. So that we can put ourselves in this story and join in or not with her extravagant worship. Let's start here. She didn't think, listen, that anyone would ever rescue her. By the way, I believe that's a common mindset of many people today. They really don't think that anybody can rescue them until she heard about Jesus. That's right. Her ears were open. She heard something. She heard that someone cared, someone loved, and this someone could set her free, and she believed it. 
She heard about the goodwill, loving kindness, and favor of Jesus. And when she heard, she responded, and she went to the place where Jesus would be. She went to the place where Jesus would be. And by the way, she would have never gone to that house if Jesus wasn't going to be there. See, when we invite Jesus into our hearts and homes, we will draw those who are broken and hopeless, sick and needy to Jesus. So she heard about Jesus and then heads to that place to express her love for him. So let me just describe her worship for a moment. Her worship was gutsy. Say gutsy. Because she was an uninvited guest. Yet she did not hide in the dark corners. She walked right into the Pharisee's home, stepping through literally utter disdain of those in the house. They were disgusted by her and disgusted that she was there. She was unloved and outcast. Her sin was public. Everyone knew what she was and how she lived. Listen, yet no one cared for the circumstances that led her to this place. We don't really know what led her to this place. But yet no one cared to find out why she was in that place. Now, I'm really going to sit here just for a moment because I think that even just saying that, yet no one cared for the circumstance that led her to this place because I've heard this, I've heard one pastor say, hey, don't judge the glory till you know the story because we tend to look at people through their mistakes or sins, but God doesn't. And if you want to know, if you really want to know how God wants us as Christians to live and express ourselves to the world, it's simply building relationships and getting to know people, finding out, not, not just judging a book by a cover, come on, That's, we're, we're, we tend to be really good at that. Maybe, maybe not you, maybe I'm just talking about myself, maybe it's just a message for me. But God doesn't look at the sin. He doesn't look at the outward look. Of a, do you know, he doesn't look at the outward He looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the outward look. He knows exactly how they got to that place. And he cares about them. Why would God tell us to remember something he has forgotten? The Bible says he remembers our sins no more. Why in the world would we bring it up every day? Why would we bring it up in other people's lives? Why would we just let them know what they probably already know? You guys here today? It's a good Christmas Advent message. It is. I promise you. Had to pause her because, listen, no one cared for the circumstances that led her to that place. She'd already been tried and convicted, proven guilty in the court of public opinion, yet she boldly, courageously, and radically walked into that oppressive environment. Her worship was gutsy, and it was intentional. This was planned. This was thought out. She was getting ready long before Jesus arrived in that place. This was premeditated. 
The alabaster box was made of a hard marble stone, which was very difficult to break open. It was designed to be opened only once by breaking it. And I believe she was thinking through this process. And the box was also filled with a precious perfume that cost more than a year's wages. That would be thousands of dollars to us in our day. It was thought out. It was intentional. Luke 7, 45. Simon says, you didn't greet me with a kiss. Or Jesus said, you didn't greet me with a kiss, Jesus said. But from the time I first came in, she has not stopped Kissing my feet. From the time I first came in. In other words, she was already there. This was planned. She was waiting and expecting Jesus to show up. It was intentional. Which tells us this. Worship can happen long before Jesus comes into the room. It can. Sometimes we wait for the last few minutes of church service to get our worship on. Sometimes we wait for the feeling to come. Sometimes we even wait for God to show up before we worship. It doesn't have to be. You can wake up and tell Jesus how much you love him even if he wasn't in your room. Even if he wasn't in your room, right? But he is there, yes. But even if he wasn't, you can still do it. Man, they worshiped God hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus even came on the scene. You know that? And I noticed this. Listen, she did not do this duty quickly. I love this. Even as others viewed it as awkward and unpleasant, she intentionally, listen, and tearfully persisted kissing the feet of Jesus. Her worship was premeditated it was intentional. It was prepared long before Jesus even came in the room. And it was emotional. Her tears are significant. It tells, it tells me her worship had feeling and emotion. See, traditional Christianity will tend toward a very intellectual worship. And there's nothing wrong with intellectual worship, thinking and meditating on the goodness of God. But that intellectual worship should always invoke an emotion. That intellectual worship should always invoke an emotion. Some sort of emotion. Even one finger. <laughs> Come on. Two fingers down here. I don't know. Hey, I don't know. Whatever it is. Remember, we are to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's filled with emotion. Amen? When David said, praise the Lord, he's saying, I'm about to, I'm about to boast about God with exuberant sounds and expressions. He's saying, really saying, uh, translated correctly, I'm about to twirl with excitement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yay, yay. Should we all just get them and start twirling with excitement? I mean, can we do that in, in northern Michigan here? <laughs> listen, you don't, listen, listen, whether, whether you twirl or are tearful, worship is emotional. 
It's okay. It's okay. That worship is emotional. God made, made us with emotions. But most importantly, this is what unlocks our love for God. This is how we're going to finish. Her worship was revelational. Say revelational. I think that's a word. She had a revelation, listen, a revelation of forgiveness. Oh my goodness, here we go. A revelation of forgiveness. And the revelation, listen, of personal forgiveness. This is how we end Luke 747. Say, if you want to fly high like a 747, right, then just learn the revelation of forgiveness. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. They've been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who's forgiven little shows only little love. One of the most life-giving things we can ever hear from God is, you are forgiven. That instantly relieves us of the heavy burden of guilt and condemnation, and it lets us know that our Heavenly Father accepts us right there, no matter what, it brings, it brings life where there was gloom. It gives hope where there was fear. It changes everything. You are forgiven. Man, that revelation unlocked her love for God. Listen, I can look all across this room. I'm not because my eyes aren't that great. But you've got all, you've got all these types of people here. To all of us, we, we, listen, we're all family. Now, some family are feeling weighed down, burdened. They feel condemned. They feel like, man, I don't, I don't even deserve to be here. I don't deserve it, right? And, and there's some that are kind of neutral. Eh, take it or leave it. And there's some like, you know, oh, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I am forgiven. And I'm completely forgiven. And when we say it, And we not only hear it, and we believe it, and all of a sudden what happens, we begin to express it. Express it. Not everybody has to be there at the same time, but this is where God is leading us to, my friends, right? He's leading us down this path of understanding complete forgiveness, Your, the word forgiveness is translated to release, just, just simply to release. That's what it means. To be released from what? Anything and everything that holds you down or keeps you trapped in life. Anything and everything that holds you down or keeps you trapped in life. But in order to be set free, there has to be a revelation of personal forgiveness. Sometimes... I can't be released until I release someone else. And many times that someone else could be you. When you release you, when you we all make mistakes. <laughs> We're going to make mistakes. It's a part of the deal. So we have to learn how to daily 
release ourselves, right? And daily release others who have possibly wronged us. Release them. Let them go. That's what the word means. See, you've got two types of people in the story as we're winding down. A woman who needed an enormous debt paid and Simon who was completely oblivious to his enormous debt. So Jesus lovingly yet sternly gives this parable again. Luke 7, 40, read again, 43. Then Jesus answered, answered his thoughts. Oh, man. Simon, you, you, he said to the Pharisee, I, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him his story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both. So you mean the person who's had, who made a thousand mistakes has the same forgiveness as a person who made ten mistakes? The person who's made a million mistakes <laughs> has the same forgiveness as someone who's made one mistake? <laughs> yes! It's the beauty of it. Kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more? Well, I suppose the one who canceled the larger debt. If you read the Bible and the stories, you'll find out that, that so many stories are a tale of two sinners. Every story has two types of people. The one who knows they need God and the one who doesn't think they need God. The self-righteous and the sinner. Those who think they're okay and those who know they need help, she Recognize her need. Simon didn't. He needed a revelation of personal forgiveness, and Jesus gave that to him, this picture. And, and also the woman gave it to him, but he couldn't see it. He probably thought to himself, there's nothing wrong with me. Hmm. That's that dangerous warning sign, beginning of utter deception, thinking there's nothing wrong with me. Years ago, There was a guy, you'll never know him. There was a guy who found this, the revelation of, of forgiveness of sins. But then he started saying, I never sin. I never sin. Yet John says, don't ever say you don't sin, right? Then you'll deceive yourself. So, 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 he, so he went around telling, and it sounded good, but I thought, wait a minute now, come on. You got some flesh. Don't tell me you don't make mistakes. Don't tell me you don't have to, you know, receive, be released from stuff, you know. But he believed no. And, and, and I saw this person just go the wrong way, and it just got really, 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 really weird. My point is he was in a place where he living like there was nothing wrong. And if we think there's nothing wrong, then how can there be any healing Look at this verse of Jeremiah 6, 14, the first part. You can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. And she knew she needed healing. She knew she needed forgiveness. And she knew she needed to be released from the heavy weight of her hard life. And she got it. She got the revelation of personal forgiveness and it unlocked her love for Jesus. Forgiveness 
is more than a spiritual transaction. It is a life-giving force. Mm. So there wasn't a formula for this. There, there weren't things to do necessarily, just a revelation of personal forgiveness. And how does God forgive? On what basis does he forgive? It rests 100% on what Jesus did for us. 100% on what Jesus already did for us. Colossians 1, 13 through 14. For he, Jesus, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And here's the truth. You got to recognize your need and respond to your need and then receive his forgiveness. Because I found out that life doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be his. And this precious daughter of God, being forgiven, meant this. That she could now walk the streets of the city with her head held high with joy and peace and freedom, with her spirit made whole, it meant that she could go to dinner and not have to grovel when the self-righteous told her she didn't belong. All because she had a revelation of personal forgiveness. I didn't say personal revelation of forgiveness. I said revelation of personal forgiveness. So I found out that forgiveness is either an invitation, a revelation, or a rejection. Now, I think we're here today because deep down, we should or we do realize that we all have an enormous debt that can only be paid by Jesus once and for all. The question is, Will we choose that forgiveness? Will we choose forgiveness? We choose to be released right now for ourselves. Or will we give in to the lie that says, nope, not for me, maybe for them, but not for me. Or will we say, you know what? Nah, not much wrong with me. Right, Emily? She knows me. Matter of fact, she called me Lord once. <laughs> By mistake. <laughs> I think she wanted to call me Lord, but I'm just going to, Lord, Lord. Um, but, you know, it, it comes down to this moment where God says, okay, see this woman? She actually received forgiveness before she even came to the home. She was forgiven. And then Jesus said, oh, by the way, uh, uh, ma'am, your faith has saved you. She already knew she was forgiven. That's how she could express that love. And that's where we're at right now. Are you forgiven? Are you released? And if not, let's just get released. Let's be forgiven right now. But you don't know my past. I don't need to. God does. And you're still here and he loves you. He has incredible thoughts about you. As many as the sands of the sea, that's how much God thinks about good thoughts towards you and loves you. 
So I want to figure out how I was going to, how I was going to end this. So we were, Megan and I were talking about this, and I think I'm going to try it. And so I'm going to just sing a little short little song you probably have never heard before. It was impactful to me when I first gave my heart to Jesus back in the, in the 90s. And, um, and I, I don't want you to watch me at all. I would love for you to, to just bow your heads and close your eyes a minute. I want to sing just a little bit of the song that meant, to me, it meant so much to me. And I want to just sing the, I want you to hear the words. I want you to hear the words. And, and, and honestly, try, try to get into a position where you're just kind of relaxed for a moment. You know, uh, just, just, just open up your heart. Uh, maybe, maybe start by be, having an expression of just, just being relaxed. This will help. Um, God loves you. This is a way that I'm going to express my worship to God in this place. Not doing it to be heard. Not doing it to, for you to say anything to me afterwards. Just simply want to sing a few verses of this song. I've been raised in a perfect surroundings. Go to church once a week, sometimes two. Lord, I want to be what you want me to be. Sometimes sin represents what I
so I didn't write that song great song but it meant so much to me and it helped me to understand a little bit what, how Jesus forgives me and, um, and then it, what it does is it causes me to express myself to God. Can we just stand as we end the service? Just sing a simple chorus that hopefully we all know. Um, Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to just lift your hands. Here I am. Come on. Said, Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to sing. My God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to I'll never know, I'll never know, beautiful, how much it costs to upon that cross said I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross so here I am to Heavenly Father, I come to you in the precious name of Jesus with gratitude for the enormous debt that you paid for me on the cross. Jesus, you are my King. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. And I express myself in love for you the rest of my days in Jesus name amen 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 yeah woo yeah thank you lord <laughs> hey have one more seat have a seat a minute just got to remember well remind us today one more thing before we leave you guys um, first of all keep tomorrow's event in prayer such a powerful event I think 450 to 500 ladies are coming uh, just experience the love of God um, 
uh, get a good picture of who Jesus is. Also, we are doing the big gifts. So I want to remind you that I'm so excited to, to be able to give and sow into our community, into the New Hope Shelter this year. Um, if, if you don't know anything about it, go on the website. You'll, you'll hear it. You'll see what they do. But they are just a tremendous ministry. Uh, 501c3, a Christian ministry. Um, but they also have a lot more also in this ministry, they, they want to help people get off the streets and into a home. And the, the cool thing about this ministry is that they can facilitate families, which I love, especially during this time of maybe a, a, someone loses a job and, and they need a place to stay. Well, this place will, will give, you can put whole families in this place. So I want to say this to you as you pray about how to give. There's a QR code right there. You can just take your phone, take a picture of it, and then just give, give however God um, wants you to give. Um, but th listen, these are incredible ways that we can store up treasure in heaven, incredible ways that we can sow into our community, um, and to reap a harvest of souls for God's kingdom. Amen. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for, uh, Lord, just generous hearts give, given to the New Hope Shelter this year. God, thank you for the opportunity that we get, uh, Lord, to have, um, Lord, uh, there, are, there are just many people, uh, Lord, struggling. All of those who go through that facility, Lord God, um, first of all, that we pray that they would know you, Jesus. And secondly, they would know they're loved and that they are taken care of, God. Thank you for this incredible ministry. Thank you for the generous giving, God. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Prayer team is up here if you need prayer for anything. Take care. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E dot -E org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac, for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.